Amen. I love that God is making us new. He's not making you better or gooder. He's making you new. He's at work in your life, changing, rearranging, and doing something fresh and new. And we want to talk about that. I'm going to ask you to get your Bibles out, and you can go to Isaiah chapter 61, where we'll end up in just a minute. But we're going to actually have a lot of verses, so on the back side of your bulletin, it's blank, and you can just grab a pen in front of you, and uh, you can write down anything that you want to. There'll be a few things on the screen, including some verses you may want to write down. Um, But that's there for you. And inside of your bulletin, there is a a pamphlet called Medicine for the Mind. It was written by Steve Sampson. Wasn't it good having Steve with us last week? It was just a precious time talking about acknowledging God. Such a good word. If you missed it, you can uh, watch it online. All of our services are online for free. But um, he wrote a, a pamphlet just about how to renew our mind, how to live in Christ, this new identity that we have in Jesus, and, and this is one of my favorite writings of Steve, and so much scripture in here. I just want to make sure everybody had it. Now, don't read it right now, because I'm going to preach really fast, so we don't have a lot of time on the clock, but this is for you this week, and it talks to you about your identity, and that's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. We've been in a series called The Christian Life. What are the essentials of the Christian life? And one of the essentials is our identity in Christ. We have to know who we are in Jesus. You are not what you have, you are not what you do, and you are not what other people say about you. Your identity should be found in Christ. You are what Jesus says you are. And we need to have that identity. We need to embrace that identity. And don't let anybody else define you. Only let Jesus do it. Because our identity is the key to building our life. So you're, you're going to build a life based on your identity. And so that's kind of the foundation. And so that's why we need to know who we are in Christ because everything else is built on it. And let me tell you to this today that when you don't know who you are, you will live an unsatisfied life looking for your identity in all these different places when it's to be found in Christ. You need to lose your mind and put on the mind of Christ. And that's what it talks about here. And it talks about that in Scripture in 1 Corinthians 2.16. But we have the mind of Christ. We've been talking about identity and we began by saying that we are in Christ. That when Jesus looks at you, He sees what Jesus did for you. He sees Jesus. It says in Colossians 3.3, for you died and you... Your life is now hidden with Christ in God, and so you're justified, and you're free, and you're, you're saved, and you have this new life, and, and even though you may be unfinished, God's committed to His work inside of you, and He is building you into something brand new. I have a pastor friend who was a Marine, and he says that when I entered the Marines, I entered as a boy, but I came out. A Marine. And to this day, and it's been many years since, he still is a Marine. Do you know anybody like that? He even stands at attention while he preaches. And then worship, it's a little more. But that's who he is. He was made into a Marine. And Jesus is saying, I'm making you into something 
news, something like me. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Let me tell you today, today I want you to step into your identity as a son, as a daughter, as a child of God. Because that's who you are. That's who you belong to. Isaiah 61 is a passage of Scripture that Jesus read in the synagogue one day. He was in his hometown synagogue and they asked him to read the scroll. Jesus had come to the synagogue and they'd heard all the stories that he was doing and they said, would you read the Scripture today? And he stands up and he reads Isaiah 61 and he says, this is me. This is what I'm doing right now. This is why I came and this is what I want to do in your life. And so let's look at it together. Isaiah 61 verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, an oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. If you have your Bibles open, you can look at this again. I know it's already off the screen, but, but go back to the beginning verse. He said, I'm going to bind up the brokenhearted. If your heart is broken today, Jesus says, I want to mend that. If you're in chains, I want to set you free. I want to comfort those who mourn. I want to provide for those who who are grieving. He says, I want to give you a a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Because in that day when they were in despair, they would heap ashes over their head just to show how how sorrowful they were. And He says, I want to take that and and put a crown there instead. A a joy, an oil of joy instead of mourning. That oil would clean them up. And that's what He wants. And that, that, that you'd have that garment of praise, that dancing instead of despair. And I want to do this in your life so that my work can be on display. Jesus says, that's why I came. And that's yours in Christ. That's yours in the secret places. We're saying that can be yours. Even in the most difficult moment of life, that can be yours. It's like a secret superpower that no one knows about because they could look at your life and say, that's a mess. And yet you're, you have joy in the midst of it. You have a, a crown of beauty in the midst of the ashes. There's something... That, that, that you know God is active in your life, and so it becomes your secret identity, your secret superpower. You know how many people love superhero movies today? They're the most popular movies in the world, and I think it's because it's about that secret identity. We all want that. And Jesus says, that can be inside of you. And my work is inside of you. It is powerful. And God wants to do that in each of our life. And so how do we live in this? You say, Daryl, that's really good, right? Yeah, I really want those things. But that's not the way it is right now. So how do I get them? I'm going to give you three things today. How can you get the secret power of the beauty for ashes, the, the joy for your mourning, and the garment of praise for your despair? And the first one is this. I'd like you to write this down. Rest in Christ. Rest in Christ. Cease your striving. Do you know the word Sabbath actually means cease? Or to stop. You know, we just have to stop sometimes and spend time with God. 
You say, well, i got so much to do. I, I don't think I can stop. Can I just share something with you? That there will still be things left on your to-do list the day you die. There will still be things left unfinished. It's, it's not that we're supposed to accomplish all these things and then we get to go home. There will always be something to do. And Jesus says, I want you sometimes just to stop and be with me. I want to be with you. We are so into works. We have this performance culture that we live in. And Jesus says it's not by works. And the performance culture might work in this world, but it doesn't work in the kingdom. Last weekend, uh, on Saturday night, Steve Sampson was with us Sunday morning. Sunday night, it was great. Saturday night, his plane didn't come in. And it's only an hour flight from Kansas City to here. And it, he was supposed to leave in the morning, and it didn't go. And I'm thinking, it's only an hour flight. One of these flights will go. And so we just, I just assumed that he would arrive. And about 3.30, I'm thinking, he's not coming. I'm like, I better run upstairs and put a sermon together, you know, because... I don't think he's coming, and he didn't make it for Saturday night, and I run upstairs, and I, I mean, I'm always thinking about sermons and jotting notes and things like that, so I'm, I'm kind of throwing something together, like, as fast as I can to come down and preach, and, 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 and as, I'm, as I'm preparing, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, I don't, you know, because a lot of times you want to think about illustrations, and there was no PowerPoint, there was nothing on the screen, it was just like, okay, I got to get up and just do this, and, and, and as I'm sitting there, like, worried about this, God spoke to me and says, Daryl? you don't have to be good at your job because I'm really good at mine. And sometimes we gotta, we got to cease the striving. we got to rest in Christ. You know, we don't have to hit the home run in worship or in prayer time or in the Word because it's not us anyway. It's God at work inside of us. We need to rest in Christ. The summer, I got to spend some time with John Crane. I love John. He preaches here once in a while. He's in Kansas City, and so we were there at sabbatical, and so I'm there for a while, and he took me to this place called Top Golf. And I know, I think we have some around here, but it's just a place where you, you go and you have games with, with golf. It's like a driving range, but it has games. And one of the games is how far you can hit it, and when we went there, they gave us the worst clubs ever to use. And I hadn't brought my clubs because we were traveling and stuff, and so I'm using this club. I'm trying to hit as hard as I can, and he's like, I'll go down to my car. He goes down to his car, and John, you remember, John's a big guy. So he's got these big clubs, and they're beautiful, expensive. And, and so I, I start using it. I'm doing just as bad. Cause, and he goes, he goes Daryl, let the club do the work. As so I was working with those bad clubs, and I was trying to hit it as hard as I could, and it, nothing was happening. And so I just slowed down, very easy, and the ball took off. So just let the club do the work. Sometimes in our life, we've got to let God do his work. Because we're striving, we're trying. It's like, no, I want to do it. And so how do we do it? We host his presence. We just say, Jesus, I want your presence in my life. I'm going to wake up in an attitude every day to begin with prayer, to begin with worship, to begin with the Word. And you can also begin in quietness because God's there in a still, small voice. Whatever it is, but God... I want to host your presence. Because remember, wherever Jesus is, the power of God is on display. So God, I want you in my life. And so every day, I'm going to make room for you in my life. I'm going to rest in you every day to have your presence a part of my life. In Mark chapter 1, I love how Mark begins his Gospel because he just has Jesus hit the ground running. I mean, 
From the very moment Jesus arrives on the scene, he's casting out demons and he's healing the sick and he's preaching the good news. I mean, Jesus is doing, doing all these things and people are marveling and amazed. It's all in chapter one. It begins with this flash and Jesus is doing all these things. But at the end of the chapter, it says in Mark 1.35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I love that. Jesus just took time with the Father. A couple verses later, it says, Simon, one of his companions, went to look for him. And when they found him, they explained, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else to nearby villages so I can preach there also. This is why I have come. I love Jesus because he starts with this bang, you know, like healing and casting out demons and preaching. And everybody's like, wow. And they're like, where is he? Where is he at? And, and, and Simon comes to Jesus. we got to go back. They're asking, we want more. We want more. they got their lighters in the air. Come on, Jesus. And, and, and after spending time with the Father, Jesus is like, no, let's go somewhere else. It's time to move on. And Jesus' power and his authority came from his time with the Father. Jesus' identity never came from anyone else. Whether they hated him or loved him, Jesus just didn't care. I love what Jesus says. He says, you'll leave me, but my Father will never leave me. He knew where his identity was. And even though the crowds were chanting, we want more, he went about his Father's business. We have older cars in our family, and so we drive used cars. And I've realized I've got to have jumper cables (laughs) in our trunks because you just never know. You never know when you gotta, you got to jump that battery. And, and uh, I just think about that in, in my life and your life. Every day, I want to be, be connected to the Lord. Because if I've got to start in my own power and I've got to run all day in my own power, that battery gets drained really fast. But when I'm connected to Him, to His power, there's something about that. See, you were designed for that jumper cable hookup to God. You were designed for that relationship. You were designed for that same intimacy that Jesus had with the Father. In creation, you were created in the image of God to spend time with God, to have dominion and power and authority. And yes, that was lost in the fall, but it's found in Christ. And when we are in Christ, heaven opens up again. And when Jesus is there, the supernatural will happen. And I love Steve Sampson. Even on Sunday night, as he was walking around and we were doing these things with healing, he, he said, I don't feel any pressure to heal anybody because I don't heal anybody. It's Jesus who does the work. And I want to be walking in His power. And let me tell you, when you have the presence of Jesus in your life, when you have His power on display, you can use His name against disease, against demons, against doubt, whatever's coming in. Because you have power in Jesus' name. And it's not about your striving. It's about resting in Him. Number two, put on new clothes. Put on new clothes. This is just a thought from the the New Testament that comes up again and again. Colossians 3, verses 9 and 10. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its Creator. Take off the old. And then a few verses later, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, 
Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. He's saying, I want you to take off your old man. And then I want you to put on your new man. I want you to put on the new person. When you wake up in the morning, I don't know about you, but I don't wake up really pretty. You know, I have a great pillow because it gives me a new hairstyle every... um, Every morning, I don't know about your pillow, but mine's real cool like that. And my breath is bad, and um, I'm stinky, and all those other things. You know what? You know, like, yeah, don't look at me that way. It's you too. So it's just, it's just the way it is, right? We wake up probably at the worst version of ourselves, right? We just get out of bed. But we don't stay that way, right? Go down, we brush our teeth, take a shower, fix our hair, put on clothes, and and today you came to church, and so you, you, you fixed yourself up before you came, because you got to take off the old and put on the new. And, and, and so why would anybody live in their old self? You know, like, seriously, it's like, why, I mean, we wouldn't go outside without putting on something new. Why, why would we live in our old self? And let me tell you why. Because it's comfortable. Our old self is really comfortable. It's comfortable to respond in anger first before anything else. It's comfortable to, to doubt. It's comfortable to be depressed. It's just comfortable. It's like, it's easy. It's comfortable. And we've got to put on the new clothes. You all have those sweats, right? Those sweatshirts, those holy jeans that are comfortable. It's like, those are your go-to clothes. It's like, oh, they're comfortable. But they're old. I had a friend who, uh, his, his wife uh, brought his sweaters to him, and he held up like three or four sweaters. And she says, you will not wear these anymore. And he's like, why? They're they're my favorite. Those those are my go-to sweaters. Those are my favorite sweaters. And she says, they make you look old. And he got the message. When you live a certain way, when you don't put on the new man and you just live how when you woke up, you look old. You don't look good. And God says, I want you to put on the new man the new woman. I want you to put on the new creation. You're not old anymore. You're not the same way. I'm just not making you pretty. I'm making you new. I'm changing something in you. So put on your new clothes, and it begins with love. Because if you put on love, he says right there, when the first thing, you put that love on first, everything else starts to follow. So every day, say, God, I want to put your love on me. I want to put your smile on me that I can put your love in other people's lives. And love helps us. It covers a multitude of sins, right? So put that on in the morning. Uh, The next, number three, take your place at the table. Take your place at the table. Um, We don't have time to go there, so I'm going to give you a verse you can write down. 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. It's the story of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Say the three times fast. Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth. Wow, I did it. That's interesting. Okay, so Mephibosheth. Um, Mephibosheth is the son of Jonathan, and Jonathan is the son of Saul. So it's the grandson of King Saul. It's part of, of the Saul's line. And so we, we have Mephibosheth and his story there in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Mephibosheth was actually uh, dropped as a baby. So he's lame. He can't walk right. And uh, now he's hiding out. Uh, he's, his, because when a new king comes in, the new king usually wiped out all the old king's relatives. I mean, that's just how it worked in the ancient world. You had to kill everybody um, to secure your reign. And so David is now king, and so Mephibosheth is hiding out, this lame man hiding out. 
And one day, David says, you know what? I want to show favor to my friend Jonathan. I mean, that was David's best friend. And, and so he said, I want to show favor to the house of, of, of Jonathan. Is there anybody left? And they said, well, there's Mephibosheth. He's still alive, and he's lame, and he's hiding out. He says, bring him to me. Can you imagine what was on Mephibosheth's mind as he's being brought, probably carried to King David and set before him? Can you imagine, like, well, this is it. This is it. It's all over. And when he gets into the presence of the king, David says this, Mephibosheth, I want to I wanna honor you because I loved your dad so much. And so I'm going to give you everything that belonged to your dad, all of his land, all of his possessions, anything that belonged to your dad is now yours. And he takes this guy who is lame, hiding out, probably in destitute poverty, and he makes him an instant millionaire. Like, you can have it all. It's all yours, Mephibosheth. I, I want you to have it all back because it belonged to your dad, and now it belongs to you. And then he says, I want to do one more thing for you, Mephibosheth. I want to set you a place at my table. I want you to sit with me at the king's table. You're now going to be a part of my family. And this guy that was probably hiding out, now an instant millionaire, dressed in, in probably gray clothes, sitting at a table, because when you're sitting at the king's table, no one can see that you're lame. And he sits at the king's table, and, 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 and that's his new life. He's been changed. It's a whole new experience. It's a whole new life for Mephibosheth. And Jesus says, would you come to my table? Come to my table. I, I want you to be there with me. I want you to be a friend of the king. I want you to be a part of my family. I want you to be in relationship with me. I want you to have a new identity. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus is speaking to the church at Laodicea. And he says these words in Revelation chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. You say that I am rich and have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Pause right there. So you, are, you think you have it all together. And, and Laodicea was a pretty wealthy city back in the day when Jesus is speaking to you. You got it. You got it. They actually had an earthquake there. And they rebuilt just in, just in, a, in a few months what was, what was down in the earthquake. So they just had so much money in that city. And he says, you think you're rich. You think you've got everything taken care of, but really, you're a mess. If you try to do everything on your own, you may think you have it together. You may think you're putting this great image out to this world, but, but inside, you know you're a mess. And so Jesus says, I counsel you, in the next verse, verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Come get these things from me. Get your riches from me. Get your clothing from me. I want to clothe you with a crown and, and, and oil of joy, and I want to give you that beauty. I want to give you that garment of praise. I want to do these things for you. You may think you have it all together, but you don't without me. And then he says in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, a familiar verse, here I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He's saying, I want to sit at the table with you. 
I'm knocking at the door of your heart. And just as he prepares a, a ta- place for us at his table, he's saying, prepare a place for me because it's all about relationship. It's not about living in our old identity. It's in our new identity. So we want to take God's place at his table and give God his place at our table and to be in relationship with him. I want to tell you today that the devil is always going to be after you. He's always going to be challenging this identity inside of you. You want to know why I know that? Because he was always challenging Jesus' identity. Every time the devil came to Jesus, he said, if you're the Son of God. That if, if, if. You know, and the devil could say, well, you're this and you're that and you'll never be a child of God. The only power the devil has is deception. Is lying. And so when you just realize that's the only thing he's got. And so when you feel like, oh, I'm just, I'm just the old person. I'll never change. The devil is a liar. What God says in his word is true. Stand on the rock. Believe today that you have a new identity. Don't live in your old identity. Put your new one on. Embrace who you are in Christ. Come to the table. Invite God to the table. Live in that new identity. And I want to tell you, just as Jesus received power and authority from His intimacy with the Father, you will receive power and authority from your intimacy with Jesus. Live in that new identity. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? We're going to sing that song one more time, The Secret Place, before we go. But before we sing, I want to pray with you this morning. You are not just being changed a little bit. You are becoming new. God's at work inside of you. You have a new identity, and I want you to embrace that new identity. And it's not based on your feelings. It's based on the truth of what Jesus said about you. And it's not based on your striving. It's based on His work. It's based on putting on love and the new clothing. It's based on coming into fellowship and relationship with Him and eating with the Savior. Coming to the table. Inviting Him to your table. So Lord, today we surrender our hearts and our lives to You. We want that new identity. We want to embrace it. We want to live in it. And we realize that that identity, that the power and authority that we long for comes from intimacy with You. And so Jesus, we surrender our lives to You today. Lord, for some of us, it will be the very first time we ever surrender to You. And Lord, we ask You to come and remove the sin and the guilt and the shame that's in our life. Because You took that guilt and shame on the cross. And we turn from our old life. We turn from our sins. And we embrace this new life with You and we follow You, Jesus, today. Lord, there's those of us that made that decision many years ago to follow You and we've walked away. And so, Lord, today we come back. Lord, there's many of us here that have have made that decision and have walked with You, but we haven't embraced our new identity in You. And so, Lord, today we take off the old and we put on the new. We embrace who we are in You today. We come to the table We invite You to eat with us. And Lord, I pray that as we find ourselves in the secret place, that we will experience Your power 
and your authority in that intimacy with you. And so Lord, today, as a step of faith, as a proclamation of our new identity, we stand to our feet and we sing this song. In your name, Jesus. Stand with me today as we sing.